It's always great to hear from our international listeners, and we have a follow-up to the recent Burger King episode, and it comes from Grant, who lives and ministers in North Africa. He asks, Pastor John, I'm a Christian worker in a Muslim country, and a few nights ago I was catching up on APJ episodes while cooking my dinner. I found myself affirming everything you said in episode 394 on Burger King until I looked into my frying pan with horror. All the meat here is halal, prepared according to Muslim law. Whether purchased at a grocery store, from a butcher, or eaten in a local home, all available meat is slaughtered by praying Allah's name while the animals face towards Mecca. Often there is even a stamp on the food verifying it as halal. I have pondered over this and am baffled, knowing that both the Muslim Allah is a misconception of God and that sharing meals with locals is a key part of missionary work. What might be a wise course of action both here in a Muslim context and in the homes of Muslim friends stateside? Well, I had to do a little poking around when halal was used because I've seen it on the stores and <laughs> and I'm not sure what is this. So, um, to my knowledge, the halal preparation of meat by Muslims only makes it permissible to eat. That's what the word means, permissible or allowed. It doesn't make the eating of it when it gets to your table an act of worship. Haram means a meat is forbidden. Pork is always forbidden. But halal simply means, okay, now this has been duly and properly slaughtered and uh, blood has been handled correctly and it is permissible to eat. So when we apply the Bible's teaching about meat offered to idols, it seems to me there are two ways that the Christian is free to eat halal meat and... I better defer to others who know the situation better than I do, but let me give let me give my my sense of how uh, this is permitted. So first, here's the key passage. Let me just read through it and make some comments as we go. So this is First Corinthians ten, eighteen to twenty eight. Consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar. So here's a, here's a real sacrifice, uh, a real sacrificial ceremony, including priests and offerers who give, bring the sacrifice. They eat together. This is real worship being described here. Verse 19, what do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God, I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So up till now, it seems to me, uh, he's saying there is a situation when eating what pagan sacrifice would be participating with demons, sharing the, the table of demons, sharing the drink of, of demons. And, and now the question is, what situation is that? And, and how can we avoid it? Verse 23, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So there's the principle. Now here's the specific case. He says, Verse 25, eat whatever is sold in the market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. So, this is my comment now. 
our default position is that all things are lawful uh, for us to eat, and even if they were offered in sacrifice to demons, we may eat, since neither they, our, our hosts, nor we are turning this supper into a participation in the worship. It's, it's not the meat that defiles, it's the heart intention to affirm an idol. Then verse 28, but if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. In other words, if your guest turns the supper that you're now going to share with him into a worship service, expecting you to participate in the meaning that he is now attaching to the the meat that was offered, then you politely decline. So it seems to me that there are two reasons that halal preparation does not rule out halal meat for uh, Christians to to eat. Number one, the slaughter uh, does not seem to be a formal worship event, which turns the eating of the meat into a participation in worship. Now, if I'm wrong about that, then those who know better would apply the principle appropriately. But it, that's what it seems to me. It, it's, it's more of a ritual obedience to the letter of the law that makes the meats permissible, slaughtered in a certain way. So the slaughter is not making the eating of the meat into an act of worship, it keeps it from being a sin as far as a Muslim is concerned. And uh, so so joining with a Muslim in eating halal foods is not joining in an act of worship to Allah. Here, here's the second reason um, for being free to, to eat halal foods is that if even if they were offered in an act of worship to Allah, this would only be a hindrance to Christians eating it if the Muslim hosts at the supper said, made clear that the sharing in this food is a sharing in the worship of Allah. And I I think that is wrong, joining a Muslim in worshiping Allah, because what a Muslim means by Allah and what a Muslim does in worship is radically different from what a Christian does in approaching God through Jesus Christ. So my counsel to Grant is um, you're free. You're free to eat halal foods at home and you're free to have uh, Muslims over and serve it and you're free to go to their house and eat it because I think Paul has addressed a situation incredibly similar to yours and, and solved it that way. Thank you, Pastor John, and thank you, Grant, for the question. It's always great to hear the concerns of our international listeners, and you can send your questions to us via email at askpastorjohn at desiringgod.org. This episode was built off an earlier episode on Burger King. That was podcast episode number 394, and you can find that episode and about 450 others in the free Ask Pastor John podcast app for your iPhone or Android. Look for it in the App Store. Well, tomorrow we hear from another podcast listener who is in a dating relationship and who is asking... Why do Christians save sex for marriage? I'm your host, Tony Ranke. We'll see you tomorrow.